Italian Wine Podcast, a Wine to Wine Business Forum 2021 media partner, is proud to present a series of sessions highlighting the key themes and ideas from the two-day event held on October the 18th and 19th. 2021. This hybrid edition of the Business Forum was jam-packed with the most informed speakers discussing some of the hottest topics in the wine industry today. For more information, please visit winetowine.net and tune in every Thursday at 2pm Central European Time for more episodes recorded during this latest edition of Wine to Wine Business Forum. Hello and welcome to this session on um, wine and sustainability and how important it is to get onto the journey of sustainability. Um, I'm Nick Breeze from Secrets to Media and I'm with uh, Marta Mendoza from the Porto Protocol, Michele Minelli from Equadotas, who's the Vice President of Equadotas, and Ricardo Pasqua here in Verona from Pasqua Wines. And the objective really is to have three different lenses. One is the global perspective, which Marta provides from the Porsche Protocol. The second is more of the national in Italy with the Qualitas and the journey of sustainability here. And what Ricardo is doing <clears throat> with Pascal Wines on that journey. So I'm going to start by asking Marta. And um, Marta, much of what Porto Protocol does is about bringing expert knowledge to the fore across the whole industry. What have you observed regarding the momentum shift towards having robust sustainability credentials, starting with the producer, but moving through the industry? Hi, Nick. Good morning to all. And first of all, very I'm very grateful for this opportunity for Porsche Protocol. So moving on to your question, I think it's amazing and it's a very good thing that the, the shift we get, get towards sustainability. And, and what is amazing is that happens throughout pandemic. Suddenly, if we were talking, having this conversation a year ago or a year and a half ago, the the need to go into a sustainable approach to your business would not be as as dense as it is right now. So there is indeed a shift, and the shift comes from everywhere. It starts with the consumer because at the end of the day, that's what will make. Uh, we are all consumers at the end. We are all people first of all, and we're all consumers. And there is a shift, and there are studies proving that. There is a shift for consumers looking for uh, more sustainable products, looking to how their products, the products they consume are uh, produced. And that goes to wine as well. So there is a, indeed a shift to wines that are produced sustainably. And then we go, before I go into producers, let me go into retailers as well, because retailers are starting to, to force their producers, so to speak, to, uh, to prove their sustainability credentials. So we have retailers on one side and we have, for example, the Scandinavian markets being really the leaders in, in this sustainability um, policy search. Uh, and then we have consumers as well. And then we go to producers. And when we speak about producers, uh, we are lucky enough as Porto Protocol to meet absolutely ma amazing people and we meet champions. So when people, when companies come to us, that's because no matter what stage they are in terms of sustainability, that means they want to either start or they want to share and they feel the need of working together with other companies. So what we see is producers understanding that there is a new way of approaching their business. There's new, a new way of producing wine to work 
on one hand, because it's important that if we're talking about sustainability, we always bear in mind that we're looking into the social, the economic, and the environmental dimension. So what we see is this shift. It's not absolutely general, but it's very strong of uh, producers wanting to work more hand-in-hand in nature in terms of respecting it more and and that goes to seeing that goes um that happens in various ways it happens for example in lighting lightening their uh, the the weight of their bottle because it is in fact the 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 aspect that promotes the most the carbon footprint of wine it goes into promoting more biodiversity uh and it in using less pesticides and herbicides for example and then we go to the social part um, and there is, uh, and, and retailers do force that a lot in, in the need to, to, because this is a very fragile business when we think of the whole value chain, we're talking about agriculture. So there is a shift in the way um, human resources, people are managed as well. And of course, there's always a need for a business to exist. We can never forget the economic part, but there is a sense of building balance within this value chain and within these through these three dimensions. So yes, from wherever you look, there is a force bringing sustainability to, to the table and to the mindset of producers, retailers, consumers, everything. Okay. And often when we talk about sustainability as a broad term, it's very loosely used and can be quite intangible to those who are trying to convince to go on a sort of journey. And a question for Michaela, when you look at the work that Equalitas does across Italy in certification and auditing, etc., how do you summarize the absolute benefit in terms of value that is coming back to the producer? Well, um, I think good morning, first of all, and thank you. The, the great job that we have achieved uh, has been to create a guideline that, that supports the, the producer to to in their investment towards sustainability, because uh, you know uh, the, 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 you need to have a framework in which to to, to, to move uh, parameters to to measure what you're doing. As Michaela's frozen up, I'm going to go straight to Ricardo, who's with Pascal Wines, is on this journey now. And Ricardo, you've been on the sustainability transition uh, process. Can you give us an example of one of the biggest challenges that you faced? And also, are there unforeseen benefits that you can give examples of? Well, thank you, Nick. First of all, uh, good morning, everyone. Uh, great pleasure to be in this uh, roundtable. And uh, Nick, thank you for your question. Uh, in, in our uh, small experience, because uh, I, I, I have to say we, we started uh, this process uh, a few years ago, so we are, we are learning every day. Um, the biggest challenge has been and still is uh, education. So really being able to deploy this uh, uh, change of culture throughout all the layers of the organization has been a huge, a huge uh, challenge, you know, uh, from uh, the agronomic side uh, all the way to, you know, the marketing department convincing them not to print a brochure instead of making it digital or you know the uh, when when you speak with the older generation management you know and try to convince them uh, that a light weight glass is uh, 
maybe not as sexy as a heavy one in the in the short term, but uh, uh, along the way we will get uh, definitely uh, more benefits. That has been definitely the, the biggest challenge, and uh, you know, on an everyday basis, let's say. And the second challenge, which uh, I think links very uh, quickly with the, what uh, Equalitas uh, does in Italy, and uh, with the fact that uh, we will be uh, soon uh, soon uh, certified by by Equalitas, we are in the making of. Uh, the certification is uh, the culture of monitoring. So the, the big change is uh, uh, to keep track of it, you know? So uh, um, print uh, and, and uh, compile a sustainability report uh, every year that uh, uh, allows you to keep tracking of what you're doing, uh, keep tracking of how much you're investing, and uh, and most importantly, sets targets for the future. Okay. And you mentioned um, bottle weight, which comes up quite a lot, and Martin mentioned it as well. And these are to do with associations of value with the consumer as much as anything else. But Password, for example, has a strong association with art, which is another way that you can add that layer of desirability to your brand by these kinds of different associations. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I... I you were talking about uh, unforeseen uh, advantages, and definitely, I mean, uh, what we're doing and what uh, the protocol is doing and what the Qualitas uh, is doing to help uh, wineries and companies like like ours is uh, strategic for uh, for for the future reputation. So, so indeed, I mean, it's. Uh, well, let's strong see, message. Let's see if we can say to many aspects of the industry. And I wanted to ask, what's the big challenge that you see facing the whole industry? And what is the pathway to overcoming it? Well, uh, Nick, I think, first of all, it's uh, the biggest challenge, which is the one we work with the most, is climate change. And it's not a question of, of uh, understanding that the, the industry is at stake, but it's the species. I think, first of all, before answering directly in your, to your question, I think we all must understand that taking care of, of the environment, of protecting our businesses, our people, our civilization, is about self-care. It's not a question of the producer, wanting, the retailer. It's not a trend. It's really a question of survival. And I think each of us must understand that. Now, in regards to the industry itself, besides the industry itself being at stake, uh, you can see for example, I think the main challenge that we hear the most is about water, the lack of water. I, I just recently, oh, we were talking to the, a producer in the U.S., for example, in Napa uh, and Sonoma, actually. I think, uh, and and he was mentioning what he had to do to have water to irrigate his vineyards, for example. So that's a huge challenge we face uh, again, not only as an industry and as a species. And another thing. Um, is if you if we think that we are dependent on climate as an industry, the fact that, for example, harvest starts earlier and earlier each year, and I'm I mean there's probably no producer that can deny this. So thinking and and I think something that happens in Italy that happens in in many countries is that wines uh, wine producers have been around for generations, so it's very natural for them to think 
to 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 for their business to be saved for the generations to come and so uh the fact that this harvest that some grapes will not be adapted anymore some some as as the planet gets warmer so the need to think what will happen in many years time where the, if the the place where they have the terroir where they have their own um, vineyards if they'll be able to to grow grapes there and therefore produce wine uh, so many challenges arise but water is by far the biggest challenge they face okay and you you started at the beginning um by talking about climate generally and the values that we all you know we're all going to face it and we are facing it, many people are but there's an articulation issue so consumers are learning how to articulate their own values and what they want and that and at the same time producers are learning or the industry is learning to articulate how it is addressing it and it's it's at very early stages it seems right across the board so coming back to the theme of this talk how important it is to get on the journey and learn to just talk about it and articulate it is is an important step i think and um, and i want to go back to ricardo because one thing about the wine industry and one thing about climate change is that they both require a long-term view. And I wanted to ask you what are the main considerations now as you look at your business over the next few decades and how much does sustainability or climate resilience, going on what Master said, feed into those considerations? I mean, from, from every angle, from a production standpoint, from a reputation standpoint, from a human resources standpoint, uh, um, I mean, it's a very uh, large uh, question, and and but I think you know, in one word, uh, we, we need to be ambitious, no? As a, as a system, European Community needs to to give uh, you know our policymakers need to give uh, ambitious uh, targets uh, for the future, and they they need to give incentives to to uh, to achieve that, you know, maybe some. Uh, uh, tax incentive, for example, and uh, and as well as they have to uh, give awards to the virtues uh, uh, examples uh, for sure. And uh, and uh, but yeah, I mean, and so I think uh, they can help us uh, pushing the envelope. Uh, and uh, and uh, and I think, for example, I know that uh, um, European Community is issuing a new rule where companies uh, over 40 million euros revenue by 2024 they will need to uh, to include in their books uh, sustainability report and this uh, new rule brings uh, uh, companies that they already have this uh, uh, obligation from 6000 companies to almost 50000 companies so you know the the culture of monitoring is already happening, and uh, and uh, this is a great thing, I, I think. So uh, it's part of the ambitious plan, and uh, and uh, and uh, you know, last consideration I, I want to add is that uh, uh, you know the the, the performances uh, of a company like ours uh, are made by the people, and uh, people are is everything, you know, and I think. Uh, if uh, uh, we are not uh, taking in consideration uh, sustainability, environmental uh, 
impact uh, in our equation, uh, we will not be able to attract uh, new talents to our organization. That, that will be a disaster. No? So the new generation, of course, uh, the new generations uh, will be more and more sensible to that. So that's uh, another key key part in my vision of this table. Uh, okay. Can you talk um, a little bit about, well, the question I asked you before was how you see it from a national perspective in terms of the biggest challenges in this sustainability field facing producers in going forward and what's the pathway to overcoming? Well, uh, there are three main uh, aspects, I would say. Of course, uh, it's very complex. Anything can be a challenge, uh, any action, any any. Uh, side of your process and product but uh, let's say that uh, environmentally in the in the farming there still is a big challenge toward the use of energy for uh, feeding tractors and also the production of uh, of uh, whatever we use to fertilize and to defend the plants from diseases so uh, let's say the pest management let's call it this way if you want uh, it's always a, a Are you enjoying this podcast? There is so much more high-quality wine content available from Mama Jumbo Shrimp. Check out our new wine study maps or books on Italian wine, including Italian Wine Unplugged and much, much more. Just visit our website, mamajumboshrimp.com. Now, back to the show. I'm going to ask Marta... uh... Marta, how much is true sustainability and ad- adaptation to a worsening climate becoming an integral part of the story of wine? Because we talk about legacy of wine going back thousands of years, and we're reaching a, one of the big sort of challenges, I think, um, in our current story. So how, how much is true sustainability and adaptation becoming an integral part of the, the story today? You've already touched on it, but I just wanted to see how, with all the people that you speak to with the Porto Protocol, how do you see that moving sideways throughout the whole conversation around it? As I said, uh, Nick, we we are lucky enough to speak to very committed people, even if they are starting starting their journey or they're way beyond uh, the others, even if they're champions. But I think the commitment to sustainability comes from everywhere. In some cases, in some cases, there is there is no need to adapt to sustainability. Sometimes it's just a question of organizing it, so to speak, because some co- companies are already truly sustainable. They just don't call it that way. It's just a it's just a term that makes every sense that suddenly became part of everyone's language, everyone's day to day conversations. But uh, again, if you want to to have your business for your grandchildren. Uh, that requires a planet in this case, and that requires also think, thinking again of the social and economic dimension. That means that you have to take per- care of the people that work with you. It's the, probably the simplest way to to talk about sustainability in the social terms. And you want to make sure that the the, the business is viable. Uh, so in many companies, that's that is a way of being in the business. It didn't require any certification or any 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 particular uh, new trend, so to speak, because it's way more than a trend. So in many cases, it's 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 the real deal. It's just a question of organizing, and suddenly you have to communicate it because your retailer 
the where you want to place your your um, your bottles uh, is um, is asking you for for you to prove that you are sustainable. On the other hand, we do speak to companies that suddenly they even if they do have sustainability practices, even if they take care of the people they work with, even if they do uh, work uh, in a more environmentally sustainable way. They have to do more, and many are being obliged, so to speak, by again by retailers. So we see both. Okay, so we see um, we see companies that are really committed, and they're so happy to have other companies to speak with, which is why we are a forum of uh, for a network and for sharing. Uh, so there are many committed companies, and there are companies that are suddenly waking up and and, and saying, look. We have to change something because we're being asked. Otherwise, we will not be able to place our products in uh, in certain places and because consumers are demanding. So we see it all. But I must say, we are lucky enough to see very, very committed people. Okay. And it's a shame, actually, that we've lost Michaela. Yeah, uh, yes, because he has a lot to share. Yeah. He's an enormous insight on from Equalitas. So I'm going to ask Ricardo to try and plug some of those gaps in terms of, can you talk a little bit about part of on your journey, how have you interacted with Equalitas and what have they given you which adds to your credentials as a sustainability uh, business? Because one thing we want to always avoid is the idea of greenwashing, that we're saying we're doing something that we're not doing. Can you talk a bit about that? Exactly. No, yeah. In fact, uh, uh, as I said, we, we want to work uh, with the uh, very solid and serious uh, partner and the qualitas is uh, absolutely the perfect uh, partner to 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 start the journey and uh, i have to say we started from a very solid base because uh, we are uh, since many years uh, we were pursuing uh, uh, energy saving uh, uh, water saving and uh, and uh, we converted some of our vineyards uh, and uh, and uh, again, Equalitas uh, uh, put uh, all that in order, and uh, will allow us uh, to uh, uh, to start tracking what we're doing. So, um, as I said, we will uh, start from this year to put in our books uh, uh, a sustainability report, uh, which is going to include uh, the all aspects uh, of of the subject. Uh, including, of course, the social side of it. Um, where I think uh, Pasqua is uh, quite um, innovative, uh, we, we uh, have uh, different forms of, uh, of welfare and uh, some quite innovative for our industry and, and our size, let's say. Uh, for example, this uh, 2020, uh, we started an amazing program introducing a mental coach in our organization like you know with, with athletes uh, there was a quite innovative uh, program and uh, and uh, and that is going to be part uh, of uh, of the the social uh, side of uh, of the report and uh, and uh, so yeah i mean we we found uh, an amazing uh, partner that challenged us uh, to 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 you know achieve uh, and check out all the requirements uh, we started from a good base, uh, but again, as I said before, we need to be ambitious, no? And Equalitas is uh, definitely 
the right partner to to, to kick it off uh, to 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 uh, try to achieve those ambitions and uh, and uh, and again having a, a 40 pages report every year where you track uh, how much uh, you did and how much you will do and uh, a report that uh, will be used to analyze performance exactly like you do with the financial performance i think is a very strong tool of transparency and and uh, so in a way to have it what you're saying is that you were doing a lot of things sustain you know adapting to certain things and implementing new procedures that equalitas gave you a kind of auditing process that allowed you to add a layer of um, external accreditation and how, how does that help you engage with um, sort of areas of the markets i know that scandinavia and canada are imposing quite strict um terms or conditions of what they what they want from producers can you talk a bit about how you interacted with markets on this issue sure uh well i mean for sure some markets are more than, than others and you're absolutely right uh, the monopolies for example scandinavia in, in primis uh, uh, they're very sensible on that uh, but i really believe uh, really do believe that uh, the, the the real uh, uh, return in terms of uh, of uh, performances of, of business is uh, intangible is uh, is uh, reputational is uh, you know the the reputation of your brand of your organization uh, that uh, that down the line will bring the majority of of business sense so so to speak um, and i have to say uh, going to the Every day, you know, work. Uh, besides uh, the monopoly markets, uh, I, I'm experiencing uh, uh, more and more from also uh, countries that you wouldn't expect, like China, for example. Uh, we have uh, two companies in China, and uh, they are managed by millennials, young uh, managers. Of course, uh, the new generations there, like here, are much more conscious. And sensible, and uh, and uh, we are starting to to have uh, a lot of conversation about it uh, uh, there, and uh, our people there really believe that uh, is uh, is uh, again the, the the reputational side of it uh, is going to be very strong in the years to come. Okay, I expect that we'll talk about China, and Scandinavia, and it'll spread. It will become ubiquitous there. Right? Okay. And um, Marta, can you, you've interacted with quite a few um, of the different market areas around the world. Can you just give a little overview of what you're seeing in terms of the demands that are being put on producers if they want to sell into certain markets on sustainability? Yes, the most radical thing we've realized is that some companies cannot even apply to certain tenders. If they don't, when I mean tenders, I think that's the word, you cannot even uh, apply to have your product in a certain retailer for example if you don't have for example a, sustain, uh, a national sustainability certification such as uh, equalities for example uh, that's the most radical and we've seen and you mentioned and i had mentioned before uh, certain markets such as the scandinavian markets not only the canadian but you you see it coming from various places for example in the uk 
different retailers are becoming more and more strict with what they ask from uh, their produce from their uh, from their suppliers, from human rights to make making sure that uh, there is a basic human respect for the people that work with you. Uh, especially because being an agricultural sector, we know that we suffer from very um, precarious uh, handwork uh, from environmentally, for example, in terms of packaging. I can tell you that Alco, just to give you an example, uh, the Finnish uh, monopoly has uh, extremely strict uh, targets. Uh, and in nine years, that is until 2030, to reduce, uh, I don't know the number by heart, but to reduce the weight of uh, its carbon footprint in terms of packaging in something like 50%. So this will definitely affect everyone that works with these monopolies. Um, and so we can see that trend being very, very strong and uh, requiring uh, a lot of changes from, from producers in general. Okay. And we've got a question from someone in the audience, from Laika. Um, has there been any an initiative to start educating viticulturalists about the awareness, or is it mostly done individually by private company initiatives? So we'll start with Ricardo, your experience. How did you start actually pragmatically doing things? Were you guided? How were you guided? Well, uh, by by our vision, I have to say. I mean, we we did it. Uh, we did it. Uh, Privately, meaning that uh, we uh, had the opportunity to hire some uh, consultant uh, helping us understanding uh, uh, what uh, what to do in the vineyards. Uh, I give you a, a straight example. We have a, a project uh, uh, called Brasa Cuerta, is a natural uh, wine, uh, is uh, in Valpolicella. In order to do that, uh, we uh, we hired an uh, agronomist uh, slash winemaker from Piedmont called Lorenzo Corino, which make wines that way since 40 years. And uh, and um, uh, since that uh, experience, uh, we learned uh, a lot. We got a lot of uh, interesting tips uh, uh, from from him, and uh, that was, let's say, the kicker to, to start. Uh, a process of uh, of education for our technical team, and and it was uh, I think uh, also a great uh, experience for for the whole organization, including also the the communication side of it, uh, where you know we uh, once we we launched it, uh, there was a very interesting uh, uh, debate, a very interesting ping pong, let's say between. Uh, uh, journalists saying uh, how Pasqua, such a big house, uh, can uh, do a natural wine. Aren't they not too big to do that? And other journalists uh, answered, uh, no, it's because uh, they are uh, a big winery that they have the responsibility to invest, to experiment, to, 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 to push the envelope, uh, to uh, try to work with the, with the, experts like Lorenzo and and start uh, this sort of project so it was very interesting no it was okay. uh, back uh, three years ago but I think uh, we, we learned a lot from that experience and I, I, I could say that was the the kicker for 
on the educational side and the biggest duration. Okay, and Marta, um, same question really, because obviously people can join your forum because you're sharing a lot of information and bringing people in. Um, what are the pragmatic steps when when producer comes to this and they, they want to do something but they don't know what it is they want they're going to do next? Well, the pragmatic step is that we have a conversation with each of our members and try to understand first what they do already and what are their challenges. And within what we are, which is the platform of solutions, so by answering directly to to uh, Jose Pablo that asked the question, you can come to us because that's exactly what we tr we are building. It's on one hand, the platform of solutions that really becomes a network of people and there's nothing like sharing. We cannot, uh, because we cannot respond to this together to, to, on our own, is by sharing and learning with other people. So you come to us, you send us an email, sign our letter of principles, and it really starts with the conversation and trying to see uh, where are the solutions that can help you in your what we call our, your climate path, your climate journey. So that's the first pragmatic step, just getting in touch with us now and then in terms of where where can an individual or a company find information really from our website from our climate talks that are webinars that gather uh, producers from around the world producers or other players in the wine value chain and address specific topics that have to do with wine in a changing climate uh, there you can find a lot of information just to give you an example and, and taking uh, this opportunity to talk about one of the challenges that uh, that producers are facing, which are extreme weather events uh, and fires, most of all, I mean, fires, frosts, you name it. And that has led many, many producers to really wake up to the challenge of climate. Um, for example, we have a climate talk that is exactly to do with extreme weather events where you have people from Australia that, that as you recall faced really extreme fires in 2019 and then someone from napa uh that faced again really extreme fires in uh, 20 in 2020 and then someone from south africa that faced extremely weather uh, extremely uh, water scarcity and have these people oh. learn from each other and so come to us if you want it's it's a free platform so it's not like i'm doing uh uh, free uh, advertising, if I may say, but it's again, it's us learning with others because we can only do this together. So let's learn together and let's share together. It's a way of saving time and money and resources. There's no need to reinvent the wheel because there are so, much, so many solutions out there and hopefully we're, we're building them as we okay. go. At what point, and it's a shame again, I mean, Michaela is here, but he, we we can't seem to um, hear him, so he can hear us. But uh, I was wondering what point you actually approach the certification body, uh, because obviously you start investing as a producer, you're, you're on the journey, but you can't get certified because you've got to get go through the process. And that could take, I don't know, you know how long does it take? And you, you can answer, but it's how, um, how do you start telling that story? along the way because you're making efforts you're aligning your values with the producer and with the consumers so that story itself has value but you know it's not just about the, the final certification it's about the journey and um, can you talk about when you how long it takes when you bring in the certification body 
Well, I mean, it's a project that, as you can imagine, moves uh, a lot of a lot of part of the organization. So we started the uh, we started the, the, the whole process uh, approximately three years ago, and uh, and uh, from there uh, we started the the auditing uh, basically a year ago, uh, and we will be able to to finish uh, the the first cycle of auditing that will uh, allow us to to get the certification within uh, this uh, this year. Uh, so uh, how we communicate to the customer? So we we got uh, uh, several projects uh, along the way from different angles. As I was saying uh, uh, on the previous question, the kicker was this uh, project uh, in the natural wine, and then. Uh, uh, on uh, on uh, um, wine making side, uh, we launched uh, two weeks ago in Milan during Milano Wine Week uh, a new project called uh, uh, Cascina San Vincenzo. is a, a vineyard here in the eastern Valpolicella uh, that has been uh, since ten years in our stables, uh, uh, but we never uh, bottled it uh, as a project. And this vineyard uh, that has been planted 20 years ago uh, has been always uh, uh, grown in an organic uh, way. So that's another effort uh, under the, the Pasco umbrella. And uh, the third uh, big uh, project uh, on the agro side is Cecilia Beretta project, where we will uh, convert uh, Within 2023, uh, the the core items of Cecilia Beretta, which is a, a winery inside the winery, is one of our strategic uh, brand, which is uh, distributed all over the world. And that's, let's say, on on the winemaking side. On the uh, let's say uh, terroir side, on the on the uh, territory, on the community side, we did. Uh, uh, some amazing projects, uh, and I reconnect to uh, your um, art wine uh, question before. Uh, we did uh, in 2018 this uh, project called the Talent Never Tasted Better, where Pasqua acted as a mentor to at first local talents, uh, helping them achieving their dreams, uh, finish their projects. For example, the first one was uh, a Veronese uh, ballerina, a Veronese dancer, the only Italian accepted to Juilliard School. We helped her to, uh, to for, with the tuition in the Juilliard School so that uh, she can uh, she could finish, and she did a few months ago. And, uh, and uh, she became, together with other two, Veronese, uh, the, 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 the face of our communication platform. So from that uh, intuition, from that concept, we stretched out uh, towards other Italian artists and talents, and then to international artists and talent, different disciplines, different arts. Some of them um, made some labels for us. Other made some piece of art that uh, fed our uh, communication platform. And uh, there were all young emerging, so we were able to help them uh, getting noticed, uh, grow. So yeah. that was, uh, you know, started from our little community and then became uh, larger. 
ending up with the artistic installation, uh, which is open to the public uh, um, until tomorrow, not today, sorry. And, uh, and then we, we did another beautiful project with the Fondazione Arena, uh, 67 columns. Uh, it's, uh, it's a foundation that supports uh, uh, the, the, the cultural uh, uh, arena, uh, Arena di Verona. Uh, so, uh, so, yeah, I mean, we deploy the message on, on a social side through uh, those uh, projects. Okay. So creativity, again, thinking laterally about your identity and how you interact with the social side is, is a very important part. Martin, there's one more area which I know you've covered with the Porto Protocol, and it's almost going one step further on the sustainability side is regenerative agriculture and viticulture. Can you talk a little bit about how that's fitting into this equation at the moment from your perspective? Yes, I think that's actually where we've met more amazing people. I think we can call it a trend in a way, in one way. Uh, one thing that is important in regards to regenerative viticulture is that the, the concept needs to be clarified. It's like sustainability as a word. It became part of everything we say and suddenly everything is regenerative. Um, and so, yes, the type of viticulture that works more in hand with nature, that is less interventive, let's say, uh, it's definitely becoming um, one of the trends to be able to deal with climate change in the sense that it focuses on soils and soils that we know better than any other industry. All soils are important to, 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 to wine and to the wines we produce. So it's basically looking at soil as, uh, as a means of sink, because soils are a carbon sink. And therefore, to take care of soil in a way that can really boost its potential to to um, capture capture carbon the most in the, the most efficient possible way, uh, and we're looking at regenerative a regenerative approach or a regenerative transition coming from everywhere in the world. But the concepts need to be clarified to make sure that when we're talking about a regenerative viticulture, we know what we are talking about. Otherwise, it will just become another very uh, common word that we don't even know what we're talking about. Okay, we've got about one minute left. So I think the regenerative side is almost where this is kind of heading because it builds resilience and everything else. And um, Ricardo, just to end, uh, Quick one message with, to our producers who are really considering starting this journey or needing more information. What would be your, your main advice? Well, my, I mean, I, I don't give, a, give advice. I, I think I can give a message. I mean, I think, uh, as I was saying before, we need to be ambitious. Uh, we, we need to be brave. Uh, I think... Uh, uh, we need to pretend from uh, policymakers, from the European community, incentives to accelerate this pro process. Uh, but uh, you know, as as the title of this uh, uh, this uh, table, uh, action not perfection. Uh, let's kick it off. You know, let's uh, let's uh, get in started and uh, and uh, be ambitious. Uh, not be scared because uh, I, I'm. Uh, absolutely convinced that down the road uh, uh, is going to make a lot of sense uh, on, on every angle. So 
my my keyword is uh, ambition and uh, and uh, courage. Okay, very good. Well, time's up, so we're going to say goodbye. And Nikada, if you'd like, if you can say goodbye as well. <laughs> Thank you very much, everyone, for listening. Thank you, Marta. Thank you, Nikada. Thank, Thank you, Marta. Thank you. Bye bye. Thank you bye. all. Have a nice day. Thank you, Nikada. Ciao. Bye. Ciao. 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 Listen to the Italian Wine Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We're on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Himalaya FM, and more. Don't forget to subscribe and rate the show. If you enjoy listening, please consider donating through italianwinepodcast.com. Any amount helps cover equipment, production, and publication costs. Until next time, cin guys, I'm Joy Livingston and I am the producer of the Italian Wine Podcast. Thank you for listening. We are the only wine podcast that has been doing a daily show since the pandemic began. This is a labor of love and we are committed to bringing you free content every day. Of course, this takes time and effort, not to mention the cost of equipment, production and editing. We would be grateful for your donations, suggestions, requests and ideas. For more information on how to get in touch, go to italianwinepodcast.com.